You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Yo, yo, yo. What is up, everybody? Um, Devin here, your host for the Portfolio Builders podcast. I am really excited to get to introduce you guys to Kim, uh, who is the W-2 landlord and um, just found out she lives in Atlanta, which is actually where I grew up. So for everybody who's tuning in and doesn't know anything about you, Kim, why don't you share a little bit about about your background and um, how, you know, how you came to be the W-2 landlord. Great. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate being here and a little bit about my background. So I've been real, I've been a real estate investor for 15 years. I started in 2006, almost, well, accidentally, truthfully. So I had purchased my first home in 2006, right when loans were a lot easier to get, right when Um, It was just one of those things. It was very easy to get a loan and get financing and I felt that it was the responsible thing to do I had a job go buy a house. Well, we all remember what happened two years later in 2008 uh, The economy did crash and I found myself $30,000 underwater and Not only that I found myself getting transferred with the current job that I had from Augusta, Georgia Which is where the property was located to Atlanta, Georgia. So that's about three and a half hours away for anybody who's not familiar with the state of Georgia. And so I really had to figure out how to pivot in that moment. I didn't have $30,000 to take to a closing table. I was only 28 at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I decided at that point, I said, well, I'm gonna rent this place. I don't necessarily know anything about renting a property. I'm going to do it. And I ended up finding a really nice couple that was able to move in. They covered my mortgage and a a couple of the expenses. But over the years, I bumped up the rent. I started getting a lot more savvy about screening and making the property more profitable. And that's when I really started realizing, hey, you know, this whole cash flow thing is such a great retirement strategy. You know, I, I plan on keeping my job, but why don't I start collecting more properties and see how this works. And then eventually when I'm ready to retire, I'll have cash flow and see how that goes. So I started adding a couple different units. Those went really successfully. And now I have 18 rental units that I self-manage from three and a half hours away. And I still have a full-time job. So really the W-2 landlord was born because I feel that there's a ton of real estate investors out there or people who want to become real estate investors that have full-time jobs, but kind of get stuck in that analysis of paral- or paralysis of analysis and don't necessarily know how to get started and just have some limiting beliefs on being able to do both successfully. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I talk to people all day that want to invest in real estate. And that is one of their biggest concerns is I don't have time um, because either they have a full-time job or they're really busy entrepreneurs. And it, it is a huge misconception that investing in real estate has to take a ton of time. It depends on what you do. Like you probably can't be an active flipper, uh, you know, if you're working 80 hours a week. Um, and I love that you shared that you started off as an accidental landlord. I hear that from a lot of people. That's actually how I started too. Um, you know, my first house, I, I bought it with the intention to sell it. 
but I, I didn't think I was going to rent it. And just because of life circumstances, I ended up, you know, renting it out. Um, and I still have it. <laughs> it's been a great experience. So, um, what I'd love for you to share some on is how did you, what is your, your professional background, first of all, because it's not real estate. So what do you do like for your, your regular job? Yeah. So I'm in sales as my regular job, which probably helps with the negotiation and, and building rapport with tenants and contractors and things like that. But that's what I do on my day to day is a sales job. Gotcha. Um, so what was the process like for you after, you know, you had success with that first property that was an accident and you decided like, Hey, I want to, I want to do more of this. Um, how did you start researching and figuring out, you know, where you wanted to invest and what properties you wanted to, to pick up? Great question. So I really liked the area that my house was in, my original property. And I figured that because I was having a lot of success in Augusta, Georgia, and in that city block, I thought, well, why don't I try picking up more properties in that area? They have a lot going on there. There's a medical college there. There's Augusta State University. And then they also have a government base not even two miles away. So there's a lot of people coming in that need to rent in that you know, particular area. So I started looking and I did it very conventionally at first. I started looking on the MLS initially, got my second property that way. And then I really started getting a lot more education. I started going on bigger pockets and listening to their podcast. I started signing up to the local real estate investment groups, the RIAs and just started networking with more investors. And at the time, even though I had a couple units, I still didn't call myself a real estate investor, even though I believe the minute you have your first rental property, you're a real estate investor. I just think it's really important for people to realize that. And so I, would, I got more and more education. And then I ended up learning some cool strategies where instead of just do, you know, finding properties on the MLS, I started finding off-market properties and different strategies that way. Um, in terms of financing, sure, I did conventional loans on a couple, but I've also done some subject to deals. I've also done a couple cash deals, and I even partnered with another real, you know, real estate investor as well. And so I just think that you know, that you know, just to tell your listeners, education is so important, networking is so important, and partnering up. And that's how I've been able to still keep my W-2 job, but also invest in real estate because I've been able to tap into a lot of different resources that are available to investors. Totally. The, who you partner with when you're investing in real estate, whether it's in your backyard or it's at a distance is huge. Um, almost all the horror stories that I've heard from people have been about you know, they didn't truly vet whoever it was that they were, that they were working with. Um, so what are some of the criteria that you, you look for when you're advising some of the people that you coach now that are, maybe they're interested in doing turnkey similar to like what a lot of our audience is doing. What do you tell them to look for in partners that they're considering? I would say a track record of success and references. So, you know, as long as the turnkey provider has a track record, a portfolio, and then some people that you can, you know, pick up the phone and call, 
it really is only, that's all you really need because you can tell really quick if someone's going to give you that information pretty quickly or not, if they're going to be somebody you want to partner with or not. Gotcha. Um, I know that you manage your properties yourself. What has that experience been like managing properties yourself from a distance? What are the advantages and what are the, what are the disadvantages of, you know, managing your property from three hours away? Three hours is not that bad. Uh, but if you lived in like Seattle and you were investing in, you know, Birmingham, do you think you would still do that from a distance or I'm really curious what your thoughts are? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I believe that the advantage of managing your properties remotely, at least for the first couple, it gives you a lot of experience on how to build a team in terms of contractors, how to vet out service providers, how to screen tenants so that when you start scaling up and, and really leveraging, you know what the process is of what needs to be done. You have more of a clear idea of how a property looks, it's managed properly is what I'm trying to say. Now, if I lived, you know, I live in Atlanta, I probably wouldn't necessarily invest remotely in Seattle and manage it myself. I would go with a turnkey provider such as yourself, or I would find a property manager to do that and then make it more of a passive activity. But the advantages when you live relatively close is you're able to be involved in screening your tenants. You're mm -hmm. able to, once you do build a team, that work is done. You've built the trust, you've built the rapport, you've built the team. It's a simple pick up the phone and call that person. And you pay them when you get the photos or the tenant vouches that yes, the work's done to an acceptable manner. So I think that there's, those are the advantages. Now the disadvantages, and I'm at the point now that I want to scale even bigger and I'm mm -hmm. getting to the point that I need to get a property manager. And so I think that there's you know, successful processes in place that I've put in and would be great if I only wanted 20 units in my portfolio. But anything beyond that, it, it's really important to work with other service providers that provide these services so that you can get more units. So that instead of being a you know, 20 unit you know, portfolio holder, I could be a 50 unit portfolio holder if I just hire the right person to help me out there. And so that's really the key is just knowing where you're at in your portfolio, where you are in terms of the goals that you have, and then making those decisions accordingly. Gotcha. Um, I actually, I used to own a property management company. Uh, I kind of learned, <laughs> I learned the hard way what makes a good property manager because I, I couldn't find one in the market that I was in. I was an agent and I worked with a lot of investors, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there really wasn't anybody that was providing the service that I wanted for my clients or for myself. Um, so like, I totally agree with what you're saying. There's no way to learn better really than by doing, by kind of figuring things out and building a team. Um, I don't ever want to do it again. Like <laughs> I will, I will pay a property manager their weight in gold because a good one, you know, a good one is going to make you money. A bad one is going to cost you money. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's really important what you shared too about being able to scale. Like there is a point where you just couldn't do it by yourself and grow the way that you, the way that you want to. Um, and you're also, 
you're teaching and coaching people how to invest in real estate passively the way that you do too, right? Yes, absolutely. So it's a couple different strategies. You know, if people want to get into real estate, they want to keep their full-time job and they don't necessarily want to hire a property manager straight out the gate. They want to go ahead and they want to learn the processes and learn, you know, what to do if a tenant doesn't pay on time. What is the process that it looks like? How do they screen tenants and get somebody qualified in their property? How do they even go and find an off-market property? Because a lot of a lot of real estate investors, when they first start out, go straight to the MLS. It's a lot of competition. Their retail prices, you're not getting the best deal. So being able to find off-market properties, I think, is the most important thing to learn when people are getting started. I think more than evaluating a property more than any of the other things with real estate investing it's how do you create a deal and that is the number one thing so i really focus a lot on that and then different processes on how to self-manage doesn't have to be people that are investing remotely it could be people that are investing locally because in my opinion the processes are still the same you got to define your area where you want to invest You've got to be able to build a team, a list of people that you're going to call every single time, and you've got to be able to screen tenants and get qualified tenants in your places. If you can't do those three things, then it can be very, very difficult investing in real estate in making a profit. 100%. Um, When you're, okay, here's a question. So when you're looking at properties that you might want to add to your portfolio, um, what are what are some of the criteria that you look at? Cause I know that you're in the build for the long term, like that's your plan, that's your mindset. So I'm just really curious. Are you looking at, is the area more important? Is the cash return more important? Is it a combination of all of those things? Like what are you looking at as far as what makes a good deal? What makes a good house that you would want to invest in? Absolutely. So what I specifically look like and what I've refined over the years is I look for duplexes, triplexes, or quads. And the reason why is I get a much better cash flow return on those because even if I'm taking out financing or some sort of leverage, financial leverage on it, I usually have other the other units paying off that leverage or one one unit paying off that leverage and the other units are pure cash flow that I can use to reinvest for capital expenditures or maintenance or just building cash flow into my portfolio itself. So I look for that specifically. And then I did try investing in some other zip codes around the one zip code that I really, really like. And mm-hmm. I had some success and I might continue doing it, but you know, there's one particular zip code that I always am looking for duplexes, triplexes, and quads. And then the next you know, piece of information is, well, how do I find those? And I did end up getting my real estate license so that I could have access to the MLS, but also there's access to different records. I'm able to go in and I'm able to do searches on absentee owners of duplexes or triplexes or quads in that zip code. And I can even drill it into city block if I want to. And so I've, you know, I've been able to do letter campaigns and find deals that way. Um, I've done a lot of research and I attended a class on doing pre-foreclosures, basically marketing pre-foreclosures. And I've done a couple deals that way too. So, but it's all about the investor. What it's almost, you know, turning this back to your audience, what is attractive to them? You know, what zip codes do they really like? 
Do they like renting to students or young professionals or more, you know, whatever the industry is in that area, that zip code? They've really got to sit down and define who is their ideal tenant? What do they look like? Where do they work? I mean, even get as detailed as that and then figure out, well, where are they living? And then you can start doing your letter campaigns and, you know, looking on the MLS, it's a pretty easy way to start as well. Gotcha. A lot of our audience, they don't know. <laughs> they're, they're, um, they're looking to us to, you know, to kind of to educate them and help them figure it out, which is a huge bonus because we, we have figured it out and we are, um, you know, we're actively building a portfolio in the markets that we're in, in addition to providing some turnkey deals for investors. Um, and I think that's one of the things that kind of makes us stand out quite a bit is that, you know, we're, we're in the trenches building along with a lot of our clients that are starting to invest in real estate. And what I've noticed, most of the people that I talk to, they, they fit into one of two buckets, either they're experienced real estate investors and they see our track record and they're like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. Or they have absolutely no idea. They, they don't know how to get a mortgage. They don't know how to get a loan. They don't know how to do any of that. And, um, you know, they're looking for basically a one-stop shop and easy, an easy solution. And, uh, I know when we first chatted a couple weeks ago, you mentioned to me on the phone that for somebody who is totally green, you thought that turnkey was, was the way to go. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, why do you think that is one of the best ways to start and what advice would you give to somebody that's in that position, totally, totally green, uh, you know, wanting to start investing? Absolutely. I mean, I think turnkey is a really great opportunity for somebody brand new who doesn't necessarily know all the ins and outs. It's going to save that person who's brand new from a lot of, a lot of mistakes because they're going to be able to gain their confidence in real estate investing by letting a professional guide them and lead the way. And that's, that's the thing is, you know, if they're really serious about learning the ropes, I mean, they can see all of the different things that you're doing, how you guys are analyzing the deal, you know, what markets that you're, you're taking a look at, which zip codes are you guys building those opportunities? You know, those, that, that's great information and great insight. And honestly, for those people who are new that just want real estate to be passive, there's really no better way than to have a turnkey provider help you. So I truly, truly believe that. You know, I look back over my 15 years and I didn't even know turnkey existed until about, you know, probably five years ago. And I think that being new and green and not necessarily knowing what I didn't know would have saved me a lot of headache and a lot of experience. Now I'm grateful for that experience because it's helped me build processes and it's helped me really build a good system. But at the same time, I wonder, well, how much more profitable could I have been over these 15 years had I just had the right structure in place on the, on the get-go? I have it there now, but it, it took a couple of years of trial and error, just being completely honest. Oh, 100%. Um, my, first, my first flip, I lived in it while I flipped it, yeah. and it took me forever <laughs> to finish, to finish the work on that house. Cause I, you know, just like you said, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I wanted the experience. I learned a ton from the experience, uh, but it cost me way more time. And in the end, you know, time is money. So I probably, 
like I wasted a lot of time by doing it myself. Um, and that's, you know, sometimes, sometimes I hear from people, they're like, well, could we just do this ourselves? Of course you can. Of course you can. It's a matter of, do you, do you have the time and the willingness to do all of those things you just mentioned, like looking for off market deals? Um, you know, that it can be time consuming. Um, if you don't really know what you're doing and what you're looking for and stories that, I mean, nobody really likes to tell, but everybody kind of likes to hear is I want to hear some of your horror stories of, you know, things that have gone wrong, either with contractors, property management, just any of those mistakes that you would really want to save <laughs> the next person from making. Oh boy. Well, as real estate investors, we all have our war stories for sure. And, you know, really the biggest one and the biggest learning lesson for me was I actually attempted to do a flip remotely on a, on a triplex and it is, I still own it to this day. So, you know, I'm working on still making it a success story at the end, but I got a hard money loan on it. Um, it was triplex in the neighborhood that I loved, but it was also in the historical part of that neighborhood. And so with that, there were a ton of nuances that I wasn't necessarily equipped on or prepared for. Again, hard money loans. I had a year to get it done. I had my, my budget that I had set aside for it based on the recommendation of a general contractor that I trusted. So I'm ready to go. Two weeks in, the general contractor was blowing through money left and right. And I could see real quick that if I didn't put a stop to it or change direction, that I'd be three times over what I had originally estimated for that project. Ouch. So I ended up having to let them go and ended up having to literally start pulling all the trades together. And guess what? I'm three and a half hours away. Now, all of a sudden having to find, I mean, I had some HVAC guys that I had a good rapport with some really good electricians. I had a good rapport with at the time but I didn't have very, very much rapport with, with carpenters or, you know, cabinets with countertop guys and things like that. And I was able to pull it together and get it rental ready, but not the way that I had envisioned it. I will be honest. So what I ended up doing is, you know, I had a certain amount of money. That's what I had. I decided instead of doing all the high-end things that I wanted to do, I just, I brought it down to the basics where the property is still safe, clean, rentable. You know, it just had to keep that mantra, just safe, mm -hmm. clean, rentable. There are still more things that I want to do, but the year came up, I was able to refinance, put it into my portfolio and I have it fully occupied. The renters, renters are happy with it, but there are things that are popping up that I still need to address and I'm using the profits to reinvest back in. So what could have been an even greater disaster? Just remember with real estate to your listeners is that there's creative ways that you can plug the hole. There's creative exit strategies, just different ways that you can get out of deals like this. You know, I could have probably found an investor who wanted to take it over, but I think I wanted the experience as well. And I saw the vision for the property. So I knew that even if I have to hold it for another two years, reinvest the profits as they come, it's still going to be beautiful. It just may not have been in the timeline that I had originally thought. So, so there's the, the war story of trying to do a flip from a distance. I don't recommend it. 
<laughs> get a certificate <laughs> provider to just do it for you, please. Don't don't do what I did. <laughs> I would be I would be way too intimidated to try to do a flip from a distance. Uh, I think I was dumb, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna take a risk. I'm I I I heard somebody. I listen to a lot of real estate podcasts and content. Um, quite a few that are like female only, you know, cause I'm kind of a feminist, uh, shocker. But, uh, there was one that I was listening to and the, the woman was sharing stories about doing flips in Alabama, living in New Jersey. And I do not have the risk tolerance to even attempt that. Um, so yeah, I just, there's no way. Um, <laughs> No way. I don't know if I'll ever, I won't flip another one that I live in again either. Like that's, yeah. Have, have you done that? Have you ever done that? No, I haven't done that. Really. My lane is buy and hold. That's I, I can do buy and hold. I like that. I can do the renovations to a point to get it up in, you know, rental ready, but flipping is a whole different ball game. I've got a lot of respect for people that go in and they have the vision, first of all, to be able to change a house from its certain state to completely transform it. I mean, it's, it takes a special skill. And that's what I learned is, you know, before last year, I thought, oh yeah, I want to do flips and, and I'm sure I can figure it out. I mean, I've been doing buy and hold this long. It's a totally different skill set, And I think that's really the, the point that I want to make there. Yeah. I think, I think that's super important. Mm-hmm. Super, super important. People, uh, HGTV is awesome and people love watching that stuff. And there's the DIY network and, you know, people are fascinated obviously, which is why there's two whole TV channels that are devoted to like people renovating property. Uh, but it's a whole lot more work than it looks like on TV, you know, which you may not know until you get in there and do it yourself. Um, and I love that you, you know, you figured out that buy and hold, that's your jam right. and the, the flipping, not so much. So tell me everything about why, why you love buy and hold. Like, yeah, I mean, well, I, so I look at real estate investing more as a retirement strategy and a way to reach financial independence earlier. You know, it doesn't take a lot of math to figure out 401ks. Yes, they're important. Yes. A lot of people, you know, invest in them, but it's just cash flowing rental property is going to just get anybody there faster. And so I really look at my, my rental properties as my future retirement plan. And Mm -hmm. yes, they're bringing in cash flow now, which is great. I'm able to put it in reserves. I'm able to buy more properties with it. I'm able to do more of the maintenance on it. But again, because I have you know, active income via a W-2 or somebody else who's an entrepreneur, that, that money that's coming in on the cash flow side, I'm not necessarily going to have to really depend on it for another, you know, 10, 15 years, maybe sooner. You know, I, my goal is to retire early, but again, I just look at it as the retirement plan and buy and hold when done correctly, getting the right tenants in place, you know, make sure, make, making sure you're buying the property at the right price on the front end can really give you that financial stability. And that's what I really, really like about the buy and hold strategies. Is that primarily what you teach? Like the women and men, do you coach men too? Or is it just women? No, it's women and men. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure. Um, so the people that you teach, 
are they primarily buy and hold too? Like, is that, is that what the philosophy that you teach? A lot of it are people that are new to real estate investing and they want to learn how to generate cash flow. So a lot of it's buy and hold. I also have some different seller financing strategies that I teach and that I share because again, what I like about seller financing and I've done it with a couple of my properties is you get something very, very inexpensive via cash. You, you know, you basically put a couple renovations in nothing astronomical this is not a flip it's just renovating it to rent is how i is my term for it mm -hmm. and then you're able to sell it seller financing you get a better interest rate and then all of a sudden you're the bank and that's another very uh, strong passive income strategy that i like to share and coach on as well okay i'm totally game to hear more about that. If you want to expand on why you love the, the seller financing and for somebody who's like actively building a portfolio, if they wanted to start making that option available for some of the properties that they have, like mm -hmm. what would they need to do? So it's, it's not really hard. You've got to find a good real estate friendly lawyer. And what they do is they'll draw up the paperwork and you define the interest rate you want, you define the down payment that you want. And I was actually having a really good conversation with another group that they do the same thing with seller financing, only they also do a lease to own with, with their properties. And I really like that, that concept. I personally haven't done that yet, but you know, you've got your regular seller finance where you sell to almost an owner occupant, they pay the monthly payments, you're getting very consistent cash flow. You get a couple of those under your belt. There you go. You know, you're able to use that cash flow towards expenses, save it, get another property, whatever you want. On the lease to own option, you basically, you know, uh, set up a contract where the, that tenant is a tenant up to a certain point where they still give you a large down payment in knowing that they're going to buy that property from you. And the great thing about that is if they decide they don't want to buy the property, you're not, you still keep the down payment and you just mm. rent and repeat. There's a little more runway with the lease to own than pure seller finance. But the nice thing about pure seller finance, you, you get your contract in, you close it like you would a regular property, and then you're getting cash flow. You're not worrying about maintenance. You're not worrying about somebody not honoring their lease or to purchase obligation. You're just getting cash flow for 15 years, seven years, however you want to structure the deal. And that's, you know, how to structure the deal and the process for that. That's all stuff that I coach on. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, I have some friends that do, they do that some, some of their properties, they just rent out. Is your portfolio like kind of a mix of the two? Do you have some that you just rent or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What I ended up doing is I started with the ones, my rental properties in terms of tenants that are just really good. I don't really have any issues with their pretty easy. Obviously I'm still keeping those. And then I've just started seller financing the ones that were a little bit more of a problem, maybe not necessarily in my ideal zip code that I want, but I was trying some different things out. And those are the ones that I'm working on seller financing. Gotcha. Do you have any idea either from your own experience or just from the research that you've done, like educating yourself how to do this? How often do the seller finance deals fall apart and then you still like, you still have your house. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, thank goodness mine haven't fallen apart. Now that could happen because again, that's why banks foreclose is, you know, 
people aren't paying, you know, their mortgages. So the way that I look at it and the way that it's set up in terms of with the lawyer is you can get what's called a contract for deed. And then when that happens, you don't have to go through the formal foreclosure process. You basically get to go and pull your, your property back under your ownership. So it's not as much of a hassle as the full foreclosure. Now, each and every state is different. The state of Georgia does allow it. So that's why I would say, you know, go to a lawyer, a real estate lawyer, somebody that really knows contracts and things of this nature, and they'll set you up with the right documents. That's how I learned. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a terrible deal that, you know, somebody's seller financing the house and say a few years down the road, something happens, they don't want to buy it anymore. Then you've collected funds for a few years and you still have your house. So you could either rent it again or then seller finance it again. Right. And to me, I look at that almost as a positive. I know that sounds... Oh yeah, it is a positive. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, you're able to make a lot more money on that property. And then also too, with seller financing, if you really think about it, you you can get the numbers to work really well and amortize it over say 30 years where the payment seems super low, but you're getting way more on that property than you ever would have gotten if you tried to sell it. And so that's one of the things that I'm finding with one of, you know, for instance, I've got just this small condo that I bought and I bought it for $30,000. And I was able to sell or finance it for $41,000, but I amateurized it. Cause again, I was just, I'm just, I was just trying it out. I amateurized it 30 years. It's now going to be more of a $90,000 value over time. And if you're looking at this more as a retirement strategy and not as a get rich quick, you know, you right. get a handful of these, all of a sudden you're bringing in some very healthy cash flow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good point. And I tell people all the time, like buy and hold is not, is not a get rich quick plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a get really, really rich, slow plan, you know, and it, it can work really well. But, um, if like immediate income is what somebody needs, then this is not really, not really the way to go. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued in learning more about, um, about the seller financing. So, and anybody that's listening, if they wanted to learn more about that from you, um, I do want to make sure they can, they can get a hold of you. So how can people find you? Sure. So they could go to my website, which is www.thew2landlord.com. Um, there's different, just different ways they can get a hold of me. Email is Kim at the W2landlord.com. And then I also have a Facebook group and the purpose of the Facebook group, it's called the W2 Landlords. So it's, you know, people that want to be in a community where we bounce ideas off of each other. I put out a post every day that is geared towards engagement, you know, where ask a question about this or, or post your most recent deal or post questions about your deal, or are you in the middle of a deal? And, you know, it looks like it's falling apart and it's not just me answering the question. It's really geared for the community to answer the questions as well so that they can, so everybody can kind of, you know, chip in and get that tribal knowledge on anything that's involved with real estate. Right on. That's awesome. Um, I'm in, I don't know if I'm in your group yet, but I will be uh, this (laughs) afternoon. I get so much from a lot of the different, you know, the communities that I'm involved in or the, you know, podcasts and things that I listen to. 
um, there's so many different ways for people to invest in real estate. I think they can get overwhelmed, like which, which way should I go? When somebody comes to you and they're trying to figure out what to do, um, do you like walk them through a process to figure out like their goals or what strategy might be a good match for them? And what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll sit down, we'll work together and figure out, okay, you know, there's, cause there's a couple different tracks. You've got your, your active real estate investing, which is going to be the flipping, the wholesaling, mm-hmm. bird dogging, all of that. That's, that's very active, requires a lot of work, but there's a huge payback for it right. immediately. And then you've got more of buy or hold, seller financing, some of these other that I wouldn't necessarily call buy and hold or these, you know, passive, but they can turn into passive. It does require work on the front end to get your processes in place and to get everything set up. But once it's set up, it really can be a much more even flow rather than just the hair on fire what are we going to do to make sure this deal goes through on the wholesaling side or on the flipping side? You know, yes, I've done all of them and I've, <laughs> and I just love, I like the energy of buy and hold and seller financing a little better just for my personality. But again, you know, flipping, wholesaling, all of that is, it's almost in a way it's faster money. I'm not going to say fast money, but faster money. And if that's what people want, then I work with them on that. And if they want something that's a little bit more steady and slower so that they can reach their FI number a lot quicker, then, you know, I'll typically direct them to the buy and hold and the seller financing. Right on. Um, you are, a, it's, it's a believer in the, what is it? Retire early? Oh, um, financially independent, retire early, fire. Yes. Yeah. What is, what is fire all about? <laughs> It's a really cool movement. So it's, it's financially independent, retire early. And a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of different podcasts, websites. And what I love about it is it's, you know, a lot of people that are saying, you know what, I, I honor my life energy. I want to be able to live a life on my own terms and I, I <laughs> and there's going to be a couple different ways you can do it. A lot of people are doing it through like putting just money in their 401ks and mutual funds and getting up to a number that they could live off 4% of that. And I think that's a great strategy. But for me, just where I'm at in my life, I just realized real estate's going to get me there a whole lot quicker. And it's going to give, you know, afford me a life of more abundance just based on just how real estate works. Now, are there more expenses and more things that I have to account for than, than putting money in a mutual fund? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's worth that. It's worth that risk. So I kind of, I'm more of a hybrid where I'm looking at real estate as getting you to your fire number or FI number quicker and be able to just kind of reach that number a lot faster. So but it's a great movement and I highly recommend anybody to check out just you Google fire. You'll find a lot of cool podcasts and a lot of great content. So what is somebody's FI number and how do they figure out what that is? Is that their financial independence number? Is that what that means? It is. So they basically have to figure out what do they want to live off of per year. And then you have to figure out whatever that number is that would generate 4%. So you, so your, your pot of money has to be able to give you 4% a year, which would equal what your annual expenses are. So everybody's a little different. You know, some people in the FIRE movement, and I, 
I give them a lot of credit. I, and they're super savvy, super frugal, and they're able to do it on say thirty thousand dollars a year. So their their FI number is going to be a lot lower than somebody who wants to do it on on more than that. So that's again one of those things like, what do you want to live off of, and how do you be able to calculate that? But that's just for mutual funds. Real estate, in my opinion, it's it changes it changes the equation. You know, um, you could have 20 units and that could be your FI cash flow number. And that's all you need. Maybe, you know, some people think you have to have 100 and 150 or 200 units. No, I mean, maybe 20 will do it. And but but again, everybody's different. So mm -hmm. the, you got to be able to do the math of what you want to make, what your you know investments are returning and then kind of work backwards from there. Totally. I, I talk to people all the time and that's part of what I can help them figure out is with, cause I know the numbers on what our, our turnkey deals look like. Right. right. So yeah. I can help them figure out, you know, this is something that you could do. Um, and I know for me personally, like I love my work so much that I, I, I have no plan to quit my job. Right. Um, A lot of yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, but I'm so excited for the day when I get to come into the office and it's just because I want to. It's you know? a totally different freedom because, you know, yeah. a lot of people, I mean, I think everybody, a lot of people can agree. I mean, they want to do something that's work related because it's fulfilling. It's to me, it's like emotionally fulfilling, spiritual fulfilling. It's great adding value. So it's not you know, the, the goal isn't to just stop working. It, the goal is just to have the freedom to be able to say, I've got this, you know? Right. Right. And I, I do this every day because I love it and, yes. and because it's fun. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm definitely on that bandwagon myself. Um, Kim, it has been awesome chatting with you so far today. I, uh, we didn't have any questions in the, in the comments that didn't just naturally come up in the conversation other than a couple, there is kind of a competition going on with some of our investors that they're racing to okay. see who can get the most, the most houses in their portfolio the fastest. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there was a, a question about, you know, who's winning and when can we get on the podcast and duke it out? All right. Uh, <laughs> sure. yeah. Want to see? <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any any like final pieces of advice that you would want to share with somebody who's tuning in? Who's you know they're in your shoes a few years ago. They're a W two employee. They want to invest in real estate, and maybe they have kids like you, and they have no idea like how to find the time. What what suggestions would you give to them to get started? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of great content out there, bigger pockets. This podcast has a lot of great content. I would also join a local real estate investment organization. You know, ever since COVID hit, a lot of them are doing their meetings online. It's really easy to just get the Zoom link, log in and start networking with people. I think that's that's the way that you're going to start to be able to see these different strategies and then real, really start um, to be able to see which one resonates with you the most because everybody's different. Like we yeah. said earlier, there's a thousand ways to get wealthy in real estate investing. It doesn't have to be just one way, but you got to talk to people, figure out what they've done and see what resonates the most. Totally. Yeah. And 
I would also say when you come up with a plan, you know, put it on paper and stick to it. Uh, don't get distracted by shiny objects. I've seen that happen to, to too many people. They start, you know, they start going one way and then, you know, and then they get distracted and kind of abandon their plan that was working to try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed our chat today, Kim. Uh, great information. Yeah. I love the seller financing stuff. I'm going to be hitting you up to find out some more yes. about that because I could totally see, you know, doing that with a few properties. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody that's uh, listening later, or if you're watching the replay, if you have any questions for Kim, you can find her pretty easily. Kim at the W2landlord.com. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, perfect. And uh, if you have any interest in chatting with me about turnkey, I'm so easy to find. It's wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist. That'll take you right to my calendar and we can chat about anything turnkey. Thank you again so much, Kim. It's been a blast. And um, I want to have you on again soon to go more in depth on the seller financing stuff. That was awesome. That'll be fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Devin. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.